1: everyone to rb1 colon fantasy football podcast part of the big team podcast channel i am your humble host the once conducted the now completely dead Devin hype train, rom com aficionado, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, and Damian Harris Truther, the old married guy Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. We got DK Metcalf's number one admirer, doubter of Juju Smith Schuster, proponent for a line of Jon Snow hair products. You heard it here first. Resident old man Clark Barnes, and the biggest 49ers fan. You know, Arya Stark is a spirit animal. The only man who hates Larry Fitzgerald, the fit end of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts. The ginger normal man Nick Botiford. Guys, how are we doing today? good man how you doing doing great pete i'm good i'm good uh i wanted to start the show with a moment of silence though for clark and for hunter henry who just can't stay healthy (laughs) yeah it's a bummer you hate to see a injury uh, a career just get completely derailed by by injury and in a career i mean Whenever that happens, it's terrible, but especially when it happens to someone who is very promising. I mean, he had eight touchdowns his rookie year, which was only four years ago, and he just hasn't managed to stay healthy. He's been – he tore his ACL. He's had knee problems, and now he just broke his fibula, I think, um, or fractured it. So, tibial plateau. Yeah,
2: so I think that's what happened to J.J. Watt last year. It's the – Part of your leg bone where another bone sits on top of. And so it's a pretty crummy thing. If Ooh, I cut
1: that, that sounds awful. So pour some out in a moment of silence to Hunter Henry. We hope you get better. Uh, and we hope that you are able to move past all these injuries and still have a professional NFL career. Or if you want to
2: make the decision, maybe try your hand at something else. I don't know. Get into podcasting. They, we have an opening for former Chargers tight ends. It's a pretty specific job wreck, But it's there. We're, we're looking for
1: it. We promise we can pay. Uh, period. 1%. We can pay. We're not
2: going to discuss salary on the air because that's uncouth. <laughs> but give us a call.
1: We can pay. We can pay. He and, uh, he and Heath can split during the tight end rankings. Oh, there you go. Ooh, I wonder how good a player of their position would be able to do fantasy rankings. Like, how how good of a sense do you think other wide receivers and running backs have of their, of their t- like, of uh, their uh, compadres, I guess? Is the only former word.
2: players seem to be very hit and miss as that.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really have the best track record of being able to predict things. I wonder if it's better if you do it the flip side. Like, our cornerback's really good at wide receiver rankings and our linebacker's really good at running back rankings. Who knows? I don't know. I just remember yeah. Jalen Ramsey's well, I guess he did a, he did a quarterback ranking, which was spot on, let's just say.
0: We should try to get him to do that again and then just have that also like we can do on my quarterback rankings, we can do Jalen Ramsey's quarterback rankings, like right next to it. Now, now that we have all these players that are gonna co rank with us.
1: Anyway. Right. Well, I mean, Jalen Ramsey and this podcast go way back. We're very, we're very tight. So I'll just we'll just hit him up. Shouldn't be a problem. Uh, Jalen, let us know when you're, uh, available. I know you've got something this weekend, but maybe sometime during the week, we could, uh, figure out your rankings. Awesome. Well, week two is just around the corner. It's In fact, going to be starting when you are listening to this podcast. And so as per tradition, it's time to do our week two starts and sits. Uh, we're going to start with you, Clark. Clark, what game are you interested in? What are you talking about? Who you got? Who you like?
2: So I think I'm going to start with Tampa Bay and Carolina. I watched, the Tampa Bay San Francisco game twice because I was so confused by the box score. I just had to understand what was going on, and I'm in no better spot now to understand what's going on. Uh, I think Raheem Mostert is a start if you are desperate at running back. Uh, none of the San Francisco running backs really differentiated themselves uh, in the game against the Buccaneers. Tevin Coleman got hurt. I've been riding the Matt Breda hype train all off season and he looked okay. Everybody else looked okay, and Mostert looks like a bruiser. So he's the start for me. Uh, I watched the Carolina game. That was fun. The Boo Birds were out early in Carolina this week, Uh, so I guess a lot of good tailgating going on. Maybe people didn't appreciate uh, Cam Newton's old mother hen outfits uh, (laughs) that they knew were coming at the end of the game, Uh, but I can't really pick a, a good sit for this one. I think we're Maybe OJ Howard, uh, Cameron Brait still continued to be the red zone target. He had two touchdowns called back and OJ Howard wasn't even getting a sniff in the red zone. So I would, I would sit OJ Howard, I guess. Yeah. I put the games down. I forgot we were doing start sit. So kind of doing this on the fly. <laughs> so uh, uh, pivoting, pivoting off that admission.
0: Um, OJ Howard is, is really scary to me. I've got him in a couple leagues and he's, Absolutely, a tight end who, if you drafted, you expected to be getting like a sneaky top three guy who's going to overtake Zach Hurts. And uh, Jameis Winston, just, uh, I don't know, guys. I, I, Jameis, I I thought
1: Zach, I mean, uh, 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 Cameron Brait must have something on Jameis. Like maybe, maybe he has an admission of more crab legs or something like that because Jameis just does not look OJ Howard's way. It is, it is. Cameron Bray or Buss at the yeah. time end
2: position. He threw, he threw a pass that. to Howard over the middle, just a, a short game. And it it was a rocket pass. I I thought he could have taken a little bit off it, but went right through O.J. Howard's hands and was intercepted. So he, Howard didn't do himself any favors. Yeah, that's fair.
0: But anyway, I, I think uh, unless you were fortunate enough to run out and grab like T.J. Hawkinson off the waiver wire, if he was available um, or, uh, you know, Darren Waller, um, boy, got TJ TJ. Kyle, Kyle Rudolph, right baby, right? Ew. Right, or Kyle Rudolph? Um, I think you're rolling with <laughs> with Howard, although it's not we're,
2: start him. But it's one of those like, God damn, I wish I could sit him. Yeah, yeah if, if you have to, you could make a worse decision because he's still incredibly athletic. But the the no touchdown possibility is is scary.
1: If you are if you have OJ Howard, chances are Mark Andrews is available in your league. Get Mark Andrews, start Mark
2: Andrews. And boy, I know this is not but boy, did Christian McCaffrey look Christian exactly McCaffrey. like we thought Christian McCaffrey was going to look. Oh, I'm telling you, man, that thousand thousand season
1: is coming for him. And I'm going to look like a goddamn genius when it happens. It's happening. Don't don't question me. Nick, what game are you? Uh, what's what the first game you're looking at? Sorry, I'm recovering
0: from you claiming ownership of a uh, colleague, Christian McCaffrey's thousand.
2: Everyone, I mean, this was the most telegraphed thing ever. This-
1: I'm sorry, I haven't heard
2: on this podcast
1: thousand and thousand for Christian, and y'all were like, Well,
2: that's that's okay, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. So,
1: yeah, oh, you're- <laughs> you're right. I'm gonna live and die
2: by this. Good, never mind, disregard my comment, take that, Pete. Perfect.
0: All right, so we're gonna get started with uh, Arizona at Baltimore. Um, I was I was getting real nervous because I left uh, literally every draft with Kyler Murray. And I was reading through Josh Hermsmeyer's Bilo-Ariard's model, and something uh, stood out to me. Uh, Christian Kirk came in with the highest expected points uh, sort of left on the field um, in, in the Bilo model. And something that, that Hermsmeyer added to this was the fact that, Uh, through let me see i got it right here uh the raven secondary is banged up after losing cornerback jimmy smith knee in week one and cornerback Tavon young neck i believe that happened in uh in in august so although you know the rest of their defense is really good i am now much more confident in rolling out uh uh weapons in the arizona passing game christian kirk uh, i I think he was on the field for um like 90 percent of the snaps uh you know Fitzgerald is obviously the, the the baller and I hate him and that made me so mad, but um, I, I would I'm just playing the the part Clark. No, you're not. Um, no, you're not. Don't lie. Don't I'm lie. Not not. Yeah. he's just, he makes, I actually don't like him for his views on John McCain, but that we can leave that anyway. <laughs> um, But no, I, I'd still, uh, I, I think that, that Christian Kirk is a, is definitely of the buy low variety and I would still trust Kyler Murray, even though this is a trial by fire.
2: I like that call The thing that I didn't like about the Arizona Cardinals hype this summer is that it just got way out of hand. I think we can still be excited about the Cardinals taking a huge step forward without projecting them to win nine games and without projecting Kyler Murray to be the best quarterback to ever play the game. There's still a lot of room in there for him to be serviceable and support someone who I think is super talented in Christian Kirk and, of course, Larry Fitzgerald.
1: I think uh, I wanted to point out that this – again how good we are at our jobs last week start and sit clark said to sit kyler murray and nick said to start kyler murray man first half kyler murray was sittable second half kyler murray was startable we fucking nailed good for us us. hit nail on the head you couldn't have asked for a better prediction than what we just gave did you get to watch overtime in that game uh no, I watched up and through the like the middle of the third, and then and then I was like, okay, well, this this doesn't seem fun anymore. And then of course Kyler That's, goes off. He looked so good. His looked, accuracy was amazing yeah, as you know. I was watching the highlights and he did look a lot better, a lot more comfortable, and they were finally getting people open and giving him some mild protection. I think I think if you if you if you are like you, Nick and you came away from most drafts with Kyler Murray, do not panic. I think he is he is still just getting his feet wet in the NFL and we saw when he gets comfortable how like how good he can be. So like I I don't think that what we saw in the first half of the Lions game is like an indicator that oh shit sell all your Kyler Murray. Yeah. Uh
0: final final point on on this game. Uh I'm blanking on the exact number but uh Adam Levitan was was tracking the personnel groupings and they ran out of uh uh four receiver sets like I think it was over eighty percent of the time. He was over seventy percent of the time. The the league high last year on the season was like twenty three for the rest of the NFL. So they are fully committed to air raid. Uh, They're going to be. They will have two fully functioning slot receivers on the field at all times. Yeah.
1: Cool. All right. Uh, First game I'm going to talk about is the Bears playing the Broncos. Uh, And the guy I'm going to talk about is Philip Lindsay. Sit him this week. He played just four snaps more than Royce Freeman against the Raiders. And Freeman did more with his touches despite having less. The, obviously, the Bears defense is looks like it is picked up right where it left off last season. I also think, and the main reason I picked Philip Lindsay to talk about that I wanted to bring him up, is because I think he is someone who you should think about selling sooner rather than later. I think you should try to move him while people still think that he is the clear starter of the backfield, that people still have the memory of what his rookie year looked like. Just because what the Broncos came out and showed us against the Raiders was that this is a split backfield. This is going to be what they've been saying all offseason, which is Royce Freeman, their third-round pick, is going to get you know equal amount of touches as their undrafted rookie or undrafted running back, Phillip Lindsay. And I think a lot of people chose to ignore that or just overlooked it and drafted Philip Lindsay as the clear-cut RB1 in Denver. I don't think that's true anymore. So I think before we see like three games worth of Philip Lindsay not being the RB1 in Denver, sell him. Sell him while he's at least going to get you something decent in return.
2: Yeah, like it. one of my favorite analyst, Cecil Lammy uh, does some radio for the Broncos and he was talking about how this is definitely going to be a split backfield and Royce Freeman is probably going to be the the workhorse here. But something else he's also said that I think we we saw play out in the first game is that the Broncos want to score 21 points a game. They want to slow the game down. They want to rely on their defense. They want to run and they're hoping to get the 21 and when you run an offense like that, there's just not going to be a ton to go around. I think both of these backs are going to have good games throughout the season. But we're in one of those situations where if you got Freeman cheap like me, then he's your spot starter flex guy once the bye weeks come around. You're hoping for that touchdown. But if you got Lindsey, it's, it's just going to be tough to, to pick out what games he's going to look good in, which will be like you know four or five for sure. And we have no idea what they will be.
1: Right. Likely you drafted him as your RB2 or your like permanent flex spot. And he's not going to be that for you. So best to yeah. trade him when people think that that's still what his
0: value is. So uh, my name is Nick Watford, and I endorse Pete's message. Um, if you go back and check out my, uh, my Denver Broncos preview, I was hammering the table, uh, pass on Lindsay early, go get Royce Freeman late. John Daigle was talking about it on the uh, Roto World podcast today that I think it was Lindsay ran 17 routes, Freeman ran 16. It, he doesn't even have the edge in the pass again. he got a couple more targets, but they're they're being used in the same capacity. and freeman he I think he had like five point six yards of carry. he, yeah, he looked, looked good. really well and he did he looked really good. He was in there uh, uh, for pass in, in a number of uh, pass protection situations. um and, and the nice thing is if if you do have him, you got him really late, you're not counting on him to be a flex. so this week against Chicago. You can bench him. Right. It's okay. It, like, you, you didn't you, – you likely have him on your squad be, to be a rotational guy. So, right on. Good work.
1: Amen. Amen. Moving on. Clark, what's the second game you're talking about?
2: Uh, so, I've got the uh, absolute worst team in the league who are just jerks, the New Orleans Saints, against the I'm glad you lost to them and you got your stupid team got everything that it deserved last year. Uh, Los Angeles Rams Uh, so uh, New Orleans is in like wonderfully for fantasy wonderfully predictable we knew exactly what was going to happen in New Orleans and we saw that in week one so if you drafted Latavius Murray or you know then he's a start you know that was proven out last week everybody else that you drafted to start for the Saints you're you're starting again Uh, for the Rams the start is uh, start Brandon Cooks guys I know he had a bad game week one, but he drew a couple of pass interference penalties. They were holding him all game, and there were plays designed to go to him. So it was just a bad game for Brandon uh, Brandon Cooks. Don't worry. Start Brandon Cooks. Uh, And then I'm doing another start. Uh, Malcolm Brown, he needs to be your flex. Uh, Todd Gurley is not going away, but we're talking about the Denver Broncos offense not really having enough to comfortably support two running backs. The LA Rams offense absolutely has enough to start two running backs. I don't think you should expect two touchdowns out of Malcolm Brown each week, but you should absolutely expect a, speak of the devil, kind of Latavius Murray role out of Malcolm Brown each week. So if you're hurting at running back, uh, Brown is a really great start going against New Orleans, who uh, had some trouble making stops on defense against the uh, Super Bowl bound Houston Texans. I hate you, New Orleans. <laughs> uh-
1: Never underestimate the narrative of a revenge game. Brandon Cooks, I'm just saying. Brandon Cooks would love to just continuously put revenge on the Saints. I'm here for it. Yeah, for- foreshadowing.
0: We're going to have some more revenge game talk a little later on. But something that I thought was interesting in this was that Tedgin Jr. Ran 70, uh, was on the field for 74% of the snaps. And while I would not advise you play him uh, when they are playing away from the Superdome, uh, he is a guy who is liable to pop off in your flex spot when they're playing at home. He had seven catches for, I think it was 104 yards, 101 yards. Thank you. Canal street chronicles. Um, Clark would yeah. like this discussion to stop. Keep okay. <laughs> anyway, <yeah, he's> <laughs> But, uh, Latavius, if you started him, you're super happy with that.
2: Yeah. Dumbly. So Nick and I are slacking back and forth late Monday night and you know, it's all very friendly and nice. And then, uh, what's his name, that jerk, Will Lutz hits that field goal. And then Nick replies, unrelated to another thread that we're in, woo-hoo, and I am just incensed. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, we were having such a nice conversation. And then no, it turns out, oh, stupid. I, football is so stupid sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, man. Uh, the Houston
1: Texans, as an organization and as a team, don't deserve Deshaun Watson. I, Yeah. Like he was incredible. I mean, for the whole game, but for that final part to get them to get them the lead, and then Bill O'Brien, what the fuck are you doing in a prevent defense when they need to get six
0: yards? Did you guys see him establishing the run with Carlos Hyde though? Hey, Carlos Hyde looked freaking good, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I saw him. No, I am watching the game right now, actually. Uh, Carlos Hyde looked good on a couple of his touches, and he looked like he could not outrun me on a few others. Uh, I was so frustrated every time he stepped on the field. Um, actually, you know what? I, I had some stuff I was going to say about uh,
1: John Ray Hopkins, but we should we should move on for Clark. Receiver in football, yeah, good point, Nick. Uh, uh, two drops. So, yeah, well, he also had like some fucking preposterous catches. Uh, Nick, what game are you talking about? Another one. All right. Let's
0: see here. Uh, number two. On the list is Kansas City at Oakland. So uh, Oakland is going to be down at least safety Jonathan Abram. He uh, tore his rotator cuff and something else on a uh, on tackling Royce Freeman. So that tells you how dangerous Royce Freeman is. Um, But Gary Conley is day to day currently with a neck injury. I am not a doctor. I will refer to Doctor David Chow as reports come out. But that doesn't sound like a recipe for playing this week. Anyway. Although we only got, I think it was one target. Mecole Hardman played on 78% of the Chiefs' snaps. Uh, this game should be a blowout in the Chiefs' favor. I expect Sammy Watkins to be a wide receiver one, but I also expect Mecole Hardman to be setting the pace as just a you know Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins clone. They, they drafted this guy thinking that, that Tyreek Hill wasn't going to play for them uh, when his you know, uh, 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 audio tape came out. And now that he is out, they're saying that he might only be like that, that he's day to day after this week or something, but every, every weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's how long it takes to do this. He had a medical procedure. They didn't cut, but it did have a, it was a medical procedure to remove his clavicle from his sternum. So anyway, the typical recovery time is four to six weeks. Um, Hardman should be a baller. He only needs a few targets to, you know, sixty yards and a score. Uh, so, yeah, go flex Mikael Hardman. Yeah,
2: definitely love the love the call. He could get two targets and be like the wide receiver seven this week.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, I saw this and I forget who pointed it out on Twitter too. Um, but and I agreed with his point, so I'm gonna reiterate it as if it's my own. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Mikael Hardman was neglected on waivers this week that everyone was directed towards Marquise uh, Brown and towards, you know, Josh John Ross and towards TJ Gronkinson. And rightfully so, those guys were ballers. But I think Mikko Hardman has a chance to just basically be Tyreek Hill again. Like this offense, I understand they're not the same player, but this offense is so good and you're going up against a defense that's missing key people and is not great that I think it just, you can plug and play anyone in this offense and they'll get you wide receiver you know one production
0: that was uh jj zacharyson who made that point point. and i yeah i i th- i think i i think i got him in every league i got him in a a free agent uh acquisition budget league for three dollars
1: yeah what are you doing what are you, what are you doing people what's he doing Uh, All right, the game, the second game I'm going to talk about is the Buffalo Bills going, not even going. The Bills staying in New Jersey to take on the Giants. They were just there to play the Jets. Has this ever happened that, like, a a team plays in the same stadium back-to-back against different teams? I mean, it can only happen in the Meadowlands, but has a team ever played both teams away back-to-back? I don't know. Just curious. I'm just, all right, cool. Just asking. A little cool fact. Uh, It
0: probably has with these teams.
1: Probably. The the Giants looked absolutely terrible against the Cowboys. They were giving up big plays all over the place. And yes, we're hoping that a lot of that was Kellen Moore's new uh, sexy offense. But I think a lot of it was also the Giants just being hot freaking garbage. Brown is the Bills' number one receiver, uh, without a doubt, and will feast against this Giants team. I have him on my fantasy team, and I'm so confident in him this week. Pause for dramatic effect. I'm benching Devontae Adams for him. I don't trust Devonte Adams going up against Xavier Rhodes. Uh, so I'm putting John Brown over him and I better not be the only one who's doing it this week. You guys, cause I was last week. I'm locking John Brown up wide receiver 10. He's going to repeat his performance last week. He's going to be a wide receiver 10 or better.
0: Bold. I, yeah, I, I bet you that Devonte Adams <laughs> finishes higher in all formats than John Brown this week.
1: Uh, Xavier Rhodes shut down Julio Jones. And uh how good did Devontae Adams perform against the Bears last week? So you know. That's on the table. All right. That's taken.
0: No, I, I, I do I do love this call. Um the 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 Bills are going to destroy this this Giants team. And I think Josh Allen, I've got him sitting at uh QB twelve. I, I that's sort of me just hedging. I, I think he's
2: a quarterback one this week, like no question. Yeah, and the I know that we've talked about this on the podcast a little bit, uh, but the Bills defense is absolutely the real deal. I know that they didn't exactly dominate the Jets, but I think the Jets are going to be a little bit better than we expected. Uh, That was kind of a crazy game. The Bills defense, if it's out on your waiver wire, definitely go grab them. They're going to be, I think, they're going to be the kind of one of the surprise squads this year. They have a whole bunch of talent on that side of the ball. Nice. A
1: little defensive talk, Clark
2: Burns bringing it to the podcast.
0: Also, Devin Singletary is the running back one in Buffalo now. And we talked about him a lot. I, I was so surprised by the preseason usage. And I mean, even, even this usage, he only had like four touches and finished with 78 yards. He was on the field, I think, for 19 straight snaps before getting a touch. So, and then Frank Gore got 11 carries for 20 yards. I don't understand what they're doing. Anyway, yeah, if you were able to go get Devin Singletary too, uh, good on you
1: shaboy got him and shaboy starting him uh all right before we go on to our final three games that we're going to be talking about uh we're going to first take a quick ad break
0: get ready for the greatest roast of all
1: time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th
0: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, now that we're back from that, Clark, what is the final
2: game that you are looking forward to this week? I kind of mixed up here and talked about it a little bit already, but I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers against the Bengals de Cincinnati. uh, I think that the Andy Dalton explosion is real, and if you whiff on your quarterback and want to stream someone even late in the week who's probably still available, I think Dalton's a start. Uh, I think uh, Mostert, as we talked about earlier, uh, is a start. Runs a little tougher than Brita, as much as I hate to say it. Um, and I think a sit for all you, uh, hopeless romantics like myself, uh, Tyler Eifert, it may be over.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I totally, totally didn't key in that Raheem Morser is on the 49ers. So you're talking about him during the Bucks and, uh, Bucks and Panthers, but good. Hey man, he gets double runtime and he deserves it because he balled out week one. That's how much of a start he is. <laughs> you should start him in multiple games.
0: So I, I, yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, I'm riding the the Bengals train now. Um, Zach Taylor is the real fucking deal. They are passing early and often, meaning first and second down in first half of games. They're using a ton of play action. This offense is is uh, going to be better than than its personnel just because of the way that their their uh, their coaches is running it. Uh, John Ross had 12 targets. That's not like you can't That's ignore six. that. Yeah, it is. Uh, he. Every week starter till AJ Green gets back. He's the alpha there. I don't think Tyler Boyd is now.
1: Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it. I like it. Nick, do you feel special allegiance to Zach Taylor because you both don't have K's at the end of your name? You guys end with the C. Yes. Cool. Cool. Just yeah. Just wanted to check. All right, Nick without a K. What uh what's the last game you're talking about you're excited for?
0: Philadelphia at Atlanta. Um, so some stats from Establish the Run and their their phenomenal work. Deshaun Jackson ran 48% of his routes out of the slot and gained 119 out of 154 yards during those, those slot routes. He, uh, he finished with two TDs. He was targeted eight times or excuse me, targeted 10 times, caught eight balls. He wasn't just running deep routes either. He was running curls. He, he, I think that Deshaun Jackson might be taking over as the number one receiver in Philadelphia. And I know that that's kind of a hot take. And when I don't have your guys' time to respect tomorrow when I'm doing the live stream, I'm probably going to (laughs) go number 23 on this and show you that my walls are covered in Deshaun Jackson stuff. But I seriously think that this might be a career year for Deshaun Jackson. Um, Yeah, he's just just not being used as a pure deep threat. I, I guess I might liken him to... Tyreek Hill or, or Sammy Watkins is in the way that they're, they're using, they're moving them. They're moving him around the formation and they're using him as a downfield X receiver. Um, I'm really, really high on Deshaun, uh, Jackson. Do you guys want to get words in or, or should I move on to the next guy?
2: I mean, I just, yeah, I just want to call out, uh, Super high on Carson Wentz this year. And because I think the Eagles have a lot of weapons that they're deploying smartly and moving Deshaun Jackson around the field is one of those creative things that we're seeing a lot of coaches do with these speedy receivers that you can't touch anymore. So do I, I I think that's a great call that Deshaun Jackson, I don't think is the boom bust player that we were led to believe. I think he, I mean, obviously everybody's going to have some down game, but I think Deshaun Jackson is a, a starter all season. Yeah. Yeah. He,
1: uh, I, I, it blows my mind. I mean, Ted Ginn is kind of this way, too, but it blows my mind that Deshaun Jackson can still outrun 20-year-olds, like the fastest 20-year-olds, and can still just, like, blow by them with ease at, like, 32 years old. It's Dude, he's smoking them. And so, so Jackson was the guy that we were talking about earlier with the revenge game stuff. Evan Silva
0: actually went back in and looked up all of his revenge games because he's had, like, eight because he's been on a bunch of different teams. He goes over 100 yards. I think I think it was in four of seven games he's gone over 100. Anyway, Deshaun Jackson's amazing. Um, the other guy that I want to talk about, though, of course, is Miles Sanders. Uh, per Mike Clay, Sanders had 36 snaps. Uh, Jordan Howard and Darren Sproles combined for 36 snaps. He uh, uh, Sanders finished the day 11 carries, 25 yards, caught one of two targets for two yards. However, he had a 21-yard touchdown called back after a holding call by J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. We're looking at a much different uh, – we're having a different conversation if he finished the day with 48 yards and a touchdown. That's not a, a, a you know blowing up the box score, but that's not irrelevant either, and the snaps were there. What is the rule when a team is playing the Atlanta Falcons? You start their running backs. They the the, uh, the Dan Quinn defense schemes to allow passes into the flats because they're they just want to stop the deep ball. Um, every every running back in the history of time who's played Dan Quinn's Falcons uh, goes off as long as he can catch the ball, and Miles Sanders can do that. So, I am uh, I, my my bold thing is th- this week. Uh, Pete, comparing to your, uh, your Adams, John Brown call, is, is whether or not I recommend to someone to bench Aaron Jones to start Matt Breda and Miles Sanders. I would vote
1: yes. I think, I mean, we saw how good Dalvin Cook was against the uh, Falcons' run defense. I mean, Cook looked amazing. Uh, and, and I don't see why you couldn't expect Miles Sanders to have similar success, especially since the Eagles' offensive line is leagues better than, uh, than the Vikings' offensive line. Clark, you in or not,
2: Miles? That I like Miles Sanders against the Falcons. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. All right, cool. Everybody's simpatico on this week's pod. I like. It. I
1: know, I know. We need, we need. I thought my we need something spicy. We need early spices. Well, we're getting to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Clark. <laughs> Even
2: though you yeah, did... those are spicy. I just I like them. <laughs> this is crazy. Wow, is it because their defense is now hot garbage? <laughs> No, so I have, I'm in a bit of a crisis of conscience here. I've always hated the Jaguars, Uh, sometimes for no reason and sometimes because they are eminently hateable. But over the past week, I've gotten to know Gardner Minshew a little bit. Oh, damn it if I am not on board with this guy leading the Jaguars to second place in the division. I just want to know more about this man. He seems fun, self-deprecating, and not in a stupid, like I've been told this is funny way. I really like this
1: guy. I'm I i I'm 100% sold on him too and that's why I wanted to take this game because I'm telling you start DJ Chark this week, baby. I'm buying the mustache of Gardner Minshew and, and Chart balled with him against the Chiefs and I expect the Texans and Jags to be a shootout um, and if they can keep Watson upright, but like, this is going to be a air-it-out game. We saw that the Saints had success with Ted Ginn airing it out against this Texans defense, and I would expect Chark to play a similar gig against them and have maybe similar success. I think Minshew, man, this is this guy seems legit.
0: I think it was uh, John Daigle today also talking about Minshew. Uh, in college, he was ready to transfer to Alabama to basically just like be a backup on the roster. But, but he wanted to, he wanted to transition into coaching. And so his plan was to just sort of like exist on the roster, but, but work as an assistant coach and just move into coaching. And then Mike Leach was like, yo, you're going to be my fucking quarterback and you're going to set a bunch of records. I think that's what he did. Anyway, Mike, God, just draft Mike Leach's quarterbacks, man. They are fucking ready.
1: No, I I heard the exact same thing. I heard people talking about that too. Uh, it was Chris Wessling of the Round of the NFL podcast who was talking about that. How he is just like a student of the game and comes in. He looked completely comfortable coming in against, albeit a, a lackadaisical Chiefs defense. But still, like didn't have any kind of stage fright. We'll see what the what the season holds, but. If at the end of this year, Gardner Minshew is their starting quarterback and they're like, well, we just kind of lucked into this. I I would not be surprised. I would be surprised if he starts for the next year.
2: Or if he just plays like three good games out of nine, he'll be a backup in the NFL for like yeah. the next decade. And I I want that to happen.
1: Plus, coming into the league with a dope-ass mustache is so much cooler than Baker being like, oh,
2: rookie of the year, I'm going
1: to grow a mustache to be cool. Sorry, Baker, I love you, man, but come on, you, you can't do that. you got to come into the league. The people got to get to know you with the stash for it to be cool.
0: Minshew might be our replacement for Ryan Fitzpatrick. <sighs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's why he started DJ Chart, baby. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to throw bombs like a motherfucker. Cool. Awesome. Well, so there you go. Week three, or it's week three. <laughs> week two starts and sits, and a little minshu love. God damn, man. We we do love our, our young quarterbacks on this podcast. Oh, that just sounded terrible. Ugh. We, we love quarterbacks who have uh, early NFL careers. There we go. Much better. Close it out, Pete. Uh all right, before we go, let us give our picks for Thursday night football. Bucks versus Panthers. Clark, who's winning this game?
2: Oh, I, I feel like the Panthers is the I was <laughs> 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 just curious to yeah. see how daring you would get.
1: Uh, Panthers. Yeah, it's it's gotta be the Panthers. I mean, we spent all offseason hyping up this offense, and if this offense doesn't come to come to play against this Bucks defense, then uh, well, then we look stupid and we can't have that now,
2: can we? But I am interested to see, so the the Tampa Bay front seven really did a number on San Francisco's running game. San Francisco broke off a couple of big runs, but Kyle Shanahan is amazing at just moving the football and putting his players in situations to win. And the Buccaneers did a really good job of uh, shutting down the run. So I think against the Panthers, who we know can run and who we know have an incredibly talented running back, if they can hold McCaffrey to like 120 or 130 all-purpose yards. I think that'll be, we may start to realize that maybe Tampa Bay's defensive line and front seven are actually good.
1: I mean, they've invested a ton into it. I mean, so it would like be nice from a team development standpoint that the amount of first rounders you put into that front seven finally actually pay off. Um, But they did. Tevin Coleman got them twice in the passing game for I think 30 plus yards. Um, so there's, you know, there's still some room there for Christian McCaffrey to feast and for him to get his thousand thousand yards that I called perfectly, so that it is only me who deserves credit when that happens. Let the record show only me who gets credit for the justice. justice. Excellent. Make sure to subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast channel on uh, wherever you get your podcast iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whole nine yards. Uh, give us five stars. Leave us a nice review. Tell us what you're excited to see in week two. Um, and follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Nick at Nick. Uh, at ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K there it is. We'll be back next week. Until then, peace!